0: guys how's it going awesome I just want to start by saying I saw a meme a couple of weeks ago that said marry someone who wants to be um who wants to arrive at the airport the same time before a flight as you do because there's like nothing worse than one person wanting to be three hours before and one person wanting to be an hour before but I was thinking a couple of days ago I reckon marry someone who has the same taste in movies as you because there is nothing more frustrating than a Saturday night. You're like, you know what? We're going to sit down and we're going to watch a movie. you have got all the snacks. And then you start watching the trailers on Netflix. And then this happens definitely with me and my husband, Dave. They'll be like, oh, that one's cool. And I'm like, no, that's a, that's a hard no. Then we'll watch another trailer. And I'm like, oh, that one's an option. And Dave's like, no, that's a hard no from me. And you know, who's done that before? You can spend like an hour watching every trailer on Netflix. And then you don't even watch a movie. You just watch like 10 trailers. And you're like, oh, that was kind of fun anyway. And then you stop. Um... But I think everyone thinks they have good taste in movies, right? Like, no one's like, oh, I bet. Everyone thinks they have the good taste in movies, but obviously you can't. And I think during the process of getting ready for this message, I realised I, I don't have bad taste in movies. I just have unusual taste in movies. And every movie I was sort of like, what about this one? I don't think anyone else had ever seen. And I think I pick movies based on, like, the cinematography and the art direction in it. And I love all of Wes Anderson's films and... But I kept thinking I was like, Gina, you need to find a, mess- a film that people have seen, like not some weird like French film or something. Um, and so this morning I'm speaking about a film called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. But I still think there's lots of people who hadn't seen it. And I thought I'd chosen like the most popular movie ever. Has anyone not seen it? Oh God, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> oh. Guys, I really tried. I really tried. Um, but so this morning, I'm just going to give you a brief introduction of what this film's about. Then I'm going to play the trailer, and then we're all going to we're going to we're going to know it, um, and it's going to be good. Um, so, so if you haven't seen the film, uh, as the title suggests, it's about someone called Walter Mitty. And Walter Mitty, he works um, in a film and photography department of a magazine called Life Magazine. His life's pretty bland. It's pretty normal. Pretty mundane. But he is a dreamer, and he loves to dream, and he dreams about a whole lot of things, about being a hero, about um, going on crazy adventures, and he mostly dreams about winning the attention of one of his co-workers called Cheryl. Um, he's obsessed with her, and she doesn't notice him, and that's his biggest, um, his biggest dream. And like every good movie, there's a protagonist, and there's like a twist in the storyline and what happens is his magazine he works for is closing and they're making their final issue. But as in charge of the photography and the film, he loses the, front, the photo that's going to go on the front page of the magazine um, on the last issue. And it's terrible. He's worked there for like 40 years. He's never lost a photo before, but he lost like the most important photo. And so he goes off on this like world adventure trying to find the photographer who took it so he can get the photo and not lose his job. Spoiler alert, along the way, he gets fired, he loses his job, he finds himself, like, in Afghanistan and in Greenland and all these crazy places looking for a photo. Um, and so that's the basic rundown of the movie. It's just about someone who's a dreamer who has a crazy story. Um, and we'll play the trailer, and then we'll talk about what we can learn from this. So let's do that, Seth. So as we were um, planning this series, we had a meeting one night at um room Anna's place, and we were, everyone was sort of talking about what movie they were going to look into, and of course Trinity had like about 100 ideas, Trinity loves movies, she had like all these ideas, and I was just sitting there and I was really blank, and I was like, I don't know, Um, all the movies I watch were weird, Um, and so then a couple of weeks later we were out for dinner with Michaela, and we were, and a bunch of people, and we were sitting at dinner, and I was like, just sort of, I'd just been, had movies in my mind, so I was like, guys, what's everyone's favourite movie, um, And some people said some random ones, and some people couldn't commit to having a favorite movie because it's kind of like, picking a movie is pretty hard, but Michaela was like, I think mine's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And I was like, I reckon I'm going to preach on that. I mean, I didn't say that at the time, but in my head I was like, I reckon I'm going to preach on that. And so I told Craig, I'm like, Craig, that's my movie. I was like, haven't seen it in a few years, but I know it's about a dreamer. Um, And so I was like, cool, lock that in. And then a couple of weeks ago, Dave and I were like, right, I need to start preparing for this. I'll watch the movie. And I watched it, and then I was like, oh what did I do? I chose a really hard movie that's like crazy, and um, I was starting to freak out, and I was like, Dave, maybe I should change my movie, Um, but then the more and the more I thought about it, the more this movie reminded me of another story, um, and that's a story from the Bible, which is actually for sure my favorite Bible story, and that's the story of Joseph, and I guess as I thought about it, um, Joseph, this is a story about a guy who was a dreamer who had all this stuff coming his way. He had to his dream looked like it was impossible. It was a crazy story, and that's very similar to the story of Joseph. Um, Joseph was a dreamer. He had um, he had dreams, but despite what anyone else thought, despite so many things coming his way, despite his dream looking impossible, it came true in the end. And so I was like, man, you know, this movie, um, like, yeah, it's got some cool it's got some cool scenes of someone skateboarding through Iceland. But man, this this movie reminds me of something. Um, I guess, like, one of the most powerful stories about a dreamer possible. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about the story of two dreamers. And so one of them is Walter Mitty, but the other one's Joseph. Um, And so this morning, I think there's multiple things we can learn from the story of these dreamers. Um, And I'm going to look at three different things this morning. And the first one is something which you have to know to be able to get to the rest of what we can learn. Um, And that's this. You were designed to dream. And we weren't just created with the ability to dream We were designed to be dreamers. That's how God created us. And through the Bible, time and time again, there are um, Bible verses that tell us, like God telling us that we're dreamers. And in Acts 2, um, God talks about pouring His Spirit out on people, on young men, old men having dreams and visions. In Proverbs 29, it talks about our need for a dream, for without a vision, how we'll perish. Um, Habakkuk 2 talks about how we need to make a vision plain for our lives. Time and time again, God talks about vision in the Bible. And when God created us, he didn't just make us like, oh, maybe, you know, some of them can have a dream. God created us to be dreamers. And I think it's one of the things, one of the many things that sets us apart from like the rest of the animals on the planet who are, you know, like stuck in time. But we've got this ability, this God-given ability to look forward and have a vision for our future. And I think one of the ways you know um, if we were created for something is if kids intrinsically do it. I was, Dave and I, um, my husband Dave and I are quite into running at the moment, and we sometimes when we're driving, we'll listen to a running podcast, which is, sounds pretty weird, but um, just for some, like, sort of inspiration, um, Nike Run Club have a running podcast, and sometimes we listen to it, and sometimes running's one of those things you can really overthink. You're like, I need to have the right shoes, like, what's my posture like, like, how can I be a better runner? Um, and mean, we listened to this podcast one time by, like, a Nike master trainer, and he was saying that his most question is about breathing while running. People being like, how can I breathe better while running? And this guy's just like, breathing is the one thing from the second you're born, no one has to teach you how to do. Like if you don't overthink how to breathe while you're running, like your body will just naturally do that, you don't have to like plan it, think of it. And there's so many things like that that show us when we're born, we just do them, right? Breathing's one of them, being hungry is one of them. That's pretty easy for me, um, being hungry. But dreaming is another one of those things, right? If you ask, a, I don't know, a four-year-old or a six-year-old, you know, what do they think they want to be when they grow up? Like, they want to be like a ballerina astronaut who runs like a zoo on the moon or just something crazy, right? Like, who's had like a buzzy dream when you're a kid? I wanted to do like 12 different things that did not go together at all. But I was like, when we're young, we just have this like intrinsic thing in us that just wants to dream and wants to believe about the future and these exciting things we can do. And that's when you're four, but when soon, I think as soon as you hit, like, 14, it's a different story, right? As soon as you get to being a teenager, I don't know, maybe, like, life's rubbed off on you a little bit. You've seen other people not reach it, and you get a little bit sceptical. And people ask you when you're at high school, right, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it's, like, the worst question ever. You don't want to, like, you've, I, mean, I mean, in New Zealand we have tall poppy syndrome, right? We don't want to think too good of ourselves. We don't want to be like, man, I want to be an Olympian, maybe, because maybe people will think, like, I don't know, like... Who does she think she is? But as we get older, so often we get a little bit, well, probably more realistic or reasonable or logical with our dreams. And sometimes we downsize our dreams because we get scared. And I know for me, um, that's definitely me. Um, As I got older, I never wanted to go out there with something which was like, you know, like a big crazy dream. And when I met Dave, he was like, he just had the most dreams out of anyone I knew. He was like, yeah, I think I might want to be the prime minister but I also wanna like, run Parachute Music Festival and be the general manager of my building and like, run this sort of like, gig nightclub like, thing where you can go and like, listen to live music and drink coffee. And he just had like 20 things he wanted to do and I was just like, that's not possible. But no, it's not gonna happen. Um, which, apologies Dave, because that's not my job. Um, but right, who's ever had a time in their life where they've come out with something like, man, I think I wanna be another one of Dave's ones. A commercial long-haul pilot, and everyone else is like, yeah, but it's COVID, and you can't be a pilot right now. It's the worst time ever to do that, and everyone sort of likes, like, hates on your dream, right? And that's, that can be hard to take, and apologies again, Dave, for doing that to you, but sometimes as adults, we downsize our dream to be realistic, or when we see other people tell us we can't do it, and both Joseph in the Bible and Walter Mitty in his story um, came up against this, people telling them they couldn't do it. In the Bible, um, when Joseph tells his brothers his dream, it says they hated him all the more, which sort of suggests they already didn't like him. But as soon as he told them th- his dream, they hated him all the more. And for Walter, his dreams, I think you saw in the trailer, but his boss like, flicks a paperclip at his head when he's like in the office just standing having a dream. Um, but his family were like, well, do you need to stop doing this? Everyone in his life was like, stop being a dreamer, just like be realistic, go, go about your normal life, stop having these crazy dreams. And the thing I think is important to note is that dreaming takes a lot of courage. Maybe that's why kids are so good at it. But it takes courage to dream despite what seems realistic. It takes courage to dream despite what others say about your dreams. It takes courage to dream when your past dreams haven't come to pass yet. It takes courage to dream when our culture tells us that isn't logical. It takes a lot of courage to be a dreamer. And so before I got really into it this morning, I wanted to remind us of that, that not only does it take courage to dream, but I want to remind us that God created us to dream. And I think out of anywhere in the world, people in the church, people who know God should be the biggest dreamers. We should be the crazy dreamers who understand what God's called us to, who have a bigger vision of our future, who know that even though it might seem impossible, it doesn't mean it is. And that excites me um, and it challenges me knowing that I'm created to dream um, and making sure that I not only have logical dreams, I don't only have realistic dreams, but I let myself have God dreams that are bigger and that are a bit crazy and a bit like, man, I don't know, I don't know if it's possible, but I so believe that that's what God's calling to me. I believe that's my dream. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you've ever had a dream that's been downsized, If you've ever had a dream that hasn't come to pass, if you've ever had a dream that felt like it was just a waste of time, it's not, you were made for it, it takes courage to follow it, but just like Joseph, we were made to be dreamers. So that's the first thing that I think we need to learn um, and we need to know about being a dreamer. The second one, both from Walter's story and from Joseph's story is, dreams always have an in-between. And I want to show you a little bit of more of the film um, that shows a pretty crazy in-between scene in Walter's life and just before Seth plays it. Um, Walter, he was on a mission to get a girl. That was, that was his mission. Um, but along the way, he lost a photograph. And it seemed like he was just in the most crazy place that wasn't going anywhere near his dream. It seemed like he was just lost. He'd lost his job. He was in the middle of nowhere. And there was this um, big season of the movie where he's just like... Floating in an in-between. So I'm going to show a scene of it, which is pretty fun. Awesome. I'm not sure if you've ever felt like you've got a dream and then you're like, man, God, I feel like this is what you're calling me to. I know this is what you've got for me. And the next moment, you're like jumping out of a helicopter, there's sharks swimming around you. You're just like, what is going on? This isn't the plan. The plan was to go and impress Cheryl and win the girl and be the hero. And I'm in the ocean and there's sharks attacking me. Um, and I know that for Joseph, he 100% had a moment of just like the in-between where he was like, God, what are you doing? What is happening? And for Joseph, his in-between, uh, for Walter was a few weeks, but for Joseph, it was 20 years of being like, man, what the heck, God? And his dream was um, about some week of his brothers bowing to him. He's like, God, you're calling me to be a leader of my family. Even though I'm the youngest, you're calling me to lead them. And then he gets thrown into a pit, he gets sold into slavery, he gets taken to a different country, um, he gets thrown in prison, and he must have just felt exactly like Walter in that moment where what he saw, like the vision he had, the dream he had, he saw it, and then he just got taken in the complete opposite direction, and he was just like, God, what is happening? And I think the reality of dreaming is there's always an in-between section. Dream, You don't, you don't have the dream, you don't wake up one morning and say, man... I don't know, I'm going to become a black fern and then like, I mean, maybe, but very rarely you get a call that afternoon, um, it's happening. There's always an in-between period in a dream and they can be really hard. Like if you've had a moment, if you've had a time in your life where you've been dreaming and believing for something and you had a long in-between, it can be really hard and discouragement comes in in-between seasons. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Joseph? He must have had so many moments where he thought his dream was over he probably was almost convinced it was over he was in slavery he didn't know if he'd ever see his family again and i think the temptation in the in-between period of our lives of our dream is to downsize it um we think we'll never get there so we adjust it accordingly and we're like you know what maybe i don't want to be maybe i don't really want to be a black ferns maybe i just actually wanted to be in the woman's mixed grade Club team, um, but we downsize our dream based on what's happening, based on our in-between seasons. And I love what Habakkuk 22, uh, sorry, 2 verse 2 says about this. It says, "Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it." For the for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And I love this. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. Not, if it seems like it's been ages, it's probably not going to happen. Not, maybe just change your dream to match your situation. But if it seems slow, wait for it. It's surely coming. And I love that that's how God talks about our dreams and If there was ever an example of someone living through a frustrating, discouraging in-between, it was the disciples on the three days of the in-between when Jesus died and before he raised again. Man, the disciples and Jesus' followers, they had a dream. He was the one who for thousands and thousands of years Israel had been waiting for, that the Bible had talked about, and when he got there, they're like, man, this is it. He's the guy who's going to free us. He's going to bring us freedom from our captivity, from the Romans. He's going to He's he's the one the Bible talked about, and they had a dream for Jesus. They were excited, and then Jesus died. And there was the three days of in-between, and that must have been the most frustrating, scary in-between. Man, they had a dream, he'd restore Israel. And the dream looked dead, but it wasn't the end. It was just the in-between. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've ever thought... Your dream was dead, because I've definitely been there. If you're discouraged, it's not happening fast enough. Your dream will always have an in-between. And I guess one great way, like, nature shows us this, is um, over lockdown, Dave and I, like, it was the first lockdown in March, and it was, like, the day before when, like, everyone went to Mitre 10 to get, like, things to do at their house for, like, the next month. I don't know if anyone did that, like, stressful Mitre 10 run, but Dave and I were just like... Ah, we're gonna get into veggie gardening, let's go to the Mita 10, we'll just buy vegetables, we just like had a little mini free count. Cal- like we were like, no, nah, who cares about toilet paper? Let's DIY. So we ran to Mitra 10. I was like doing like work meetings on my phone and the Tin queue. and we just brought a whole lot of seeds because like most of the plants were sold out already. Um and we brought some basil and we were pretty excited. We're like, we're gonna, you know, spend the next four weeks growing our lovely basil and we're gonna make pizzas and we're gonna have fresh basil and a margarita pizza and it was very exciting, and we were like, "It's gonna be a great four weeks." So we plant our basil seeds like first day, and we're like, oh, "Give it a couple weeks," and then we just like waited, and we waited, and we wait. Like, has anyone like germinated seeds before? Oh my goodness, it takes so long, and we were just like waiting, waiting, waiting. It was an in-between season. There is an in-between season with seeds between when you plant them and between when they sprout. And the in-between isn't just like nothing's happening. The in-between is incredibly important. And what happens in the in-between is that the plant's getting set up to grow. I'm just losing on my notes. Um, it's, getting, it's getting the nutrients it needs. It's feeding itself. It's getting ready so when it sprouts it can grow and be a strong and healthy plant. And I think that's exactly like the in-between in our dream, sometimes we look at it and we think it's just God's not doing anything, nothing's happening. Why am I jumping? At, like, why am I swimming with sharks in the ocean? But for Walter, his in between, his crazy adventures around the world, was actually setting him up to be with Cheryl. And in Joseph's in between, he was putting him in the position to interpret a dream that would then put him in another position that would make his dream come true in a much bigger way than he ever imagined. And in the in between the cross and the tomb, that was setting up something so much bigger, more freedom than his disciples ever imagined. And I think in every single situation, the in-between made the dream so much bigger than the person imagined, so much better. And I want to encourage you this morning that it's the same in our lives. When we feel like there's an in-between season, when we feel like nothing's happening, when we feel like maybe the dream's just like the seed's dead under the soil, it's always because God's doing something and he's working something. And because he's setting up something awesome. And I'm very encouraged by that. I don't know about you, but I think that's awesome that in the seasons where it feels like nothing's happening, God's always working. And I have one more thing that um, I want to talk about from the movie and from Joseph's story this morning. And it's this. One thing we can learn is that when I follow Jesus, my dreams follow me. And it's really tempting to end this message with like a point that's like, follow your dreams. That's like what our culture loves saying about dreams. So we, the advice we give to young people: like just you know, go out and follow your dreams, work really hard, pursue your dream, and you'll see it come true. And that's not the story of Joseph at all. Um, Joseph's story wasn't him, about him out there pursuing his dream, doing everything he could for it. In fact, Genesis 37 never says. Joseph followed his dreams, God never tells Joseph to follow his dreams, no one ever tells Joseph to follow his dreams in Genesis 30, 37 or 38 or 39 or 40 or 41, the Bible never says that. And I think sometimes these moments we can look back in our lives and realize that a dream has come true kind of accidentally from our behalf. Has anyone had a moment like that where you look back and you're like, man, I didn't even really mean for that to happen, but man, that, that fully came true. And in the story of Walter, he wasn't chasing his dream of finding Cheryl, of winning Cheryl over when it happened, when it happened for him. What he was actually doing is he was just doing his job. He was out looking for the photo to put on the front cover of the magazine. He was just doing his job, and in doing that, he won over Cheryl. And for Joseph, he wasn't pursuing his dream either. The dream of his brothers bowing to him and his family, like him leading his family, must have seemed like a distant memory. Joseph was just serving and doing the best at everything he put his hands to. He was doing his job. He did it in Potiphar's house. He did it in prison. He did it when God gave him a bigger opportunity in Pharaoh's house. But Joseph never followed his dream. He was following God, and his dream was following him the whole time. It followed him to Potiphar's house. It followed him to prison. It followed him to Pharaoh's house without him even knowing it. The dream he thought was dead had given up on. He was just doing what God had called him to, doing what was in front of him, and it followed him the whole time. And I love what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33. I think this is an important thing to know about what the Bible teaches about getting our dreams. It says this But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Not work on your dream before you follow God, not pursue your dream above everything else, not seek your dream, but seek God's kingdom. Be faithful what's what's in front of you, invest in your relationship with God, serve others, be faithful in the small things, put your trust in God and not in your dream. And Joseph wasn't a superhuman, he must have had hundreds of times in the in-betweens where he questioned God. He thought his dream wasn't gonna happen. He didn't have super faith. He just decided that no matter what happened, wherever he was, he'd serve and he'd seek God's kingdom. And he did it everywhere he was. He did it in Potiphar's house, he did it in prison, and he did it in Pharaoh's house. And it sometimes can be so easy for us to make our dream our idol. But when we put God first when we say, God, I'm gonna seek you above my dream, when we trust him that he's going to look after our dream and we can let go of it, that's when our dream begins to follow us. And I don't know about you, but I'd so much rather put my trust in God instead of my dream. I'd so much rather follow Jesus than my dreams. I'd so much rather hand God my dream and trust him that he'll look after it. And um, I definitely have like experienced this. Um, a couple of years ago, like Craig was saying, I worked at church, but I really felt like I should go back to university, and I was like, I don't know if I have time to go to university, because I want to, like, make sure, I want to still keep doing youth here, and I still want to keep working here, and working in Book Intermedia, and serving there, and I was like, I just need about to find a uni course I can go to, where I can still do all of that, and I went to um, a place in the city that offered a course I was really interested in, called Media Design School, which looks great, but on my interview there, the lady's like, yeah, I often find people just crying in the toilets, so intense, you just can't have a job, your whole life's just going to be here, but it's the best school, because then you're going to get the best job, because you just work so hard at it, and I was just like, tell me someone's crying in the toilets, like, did not sell it to me, but apart from that, I was like, man, I'm not going to, like, that's, I can't do that, like, that's not what I'm going to do, and so I ended up going somewhere else and finding a course, and I was just like, you know, like, when I'm asking questions, I'm like, can I still, like, work, like, how many hours is going to be, like, no, you can have a job, and I was like, okay, that's me, as I did the course, <laughs> as I did the course, um, there were people in my class who would like work all night and stay up late, and I was just like, "I can't stay at uni till midnight all the time. I've got other commitments, like I'm, I'm serving at church and I'm doing youth on Friday nights." And I was just like, "Had to trust God, like God, if this is what You've called me to, then even if I can't spend as much time here as everyone else, if I can't do spend as much time on the projects as other people will, um, just trust You, God, that you'll, You've got this." And at the end of the year, I think all my classmates were really horrified because out of our year, I think three of us got jobs in the industry and I was one of them and so many people who had worked so hard and chased after it and like were so talented but just couldn't find a job and I sometimes felt bad. I was like, man, like, did I just fluke it? Like, did I accidentally get a job? Like, I feel like i worked, they'll think I worked the least hard for this um, but I guess looking back, I can see that actually that was what was happening as I was like, God, I'm going to put my trust in you, not in how hard I can work, not in how good I can be even if I'm getting just B minuses on every assignment, but I look back and I say, man, because God honored that I was serving Him and doing that. And that's when I got, I think if I'd spent every night till midnight, and I think, I look back and I think, man, if I'd done that, if I'd been like, actually, I can't serve what I'm doing, I can't be there on Sundays, like what would have happened? Um, and I think, man, God, I thank you that. When we follow you, our dreams follow us. And when we put our dreams in your hands and we trust you, that you're the one who brings them into fruition. And we can look at Joseph's story, the dream that looked impossible, the dream that looked like it could never happen. But because Joseph was serving you and he was seeking you first, you made it happen. I know about you, but that excites me and that challenges me in my life. The dreams I have, I'm like, God, I want to make sure I'm always putting you first. God, I want to make sure I'm always seeking you first not my dreams, not making them my idol, not making it all about what I want, God, but serving you and knowing that if the is from you, God, if you have placed it inside me, that you're going to make it happen. I can trust you with it. I can trust you, God, as I seek you. You give the desires of our hearts. And so I might get the band up, but at the start of the, the message this morning, I talked about how we can learn from Joseph and Walter that we were designed for a dream. But I think, really, we were designed to see our dreams come to pass. God didn't just design us to dream and be dreamers and be frustrated. God designed us to be dreamers whose dreams come to pass. And if there was ever a secret, like a hack to getting your dreams, I reckon it's this, following God and letting your dreams follow you, to seek Him first, to trust Him with our dreams, to follow Jesus above everything else. And I know that I've needed to hear some of the points in this message so many times. Times in my life where I just stopped dreaming because I felt like it wasn't realistic enough. Times in my life where I was in an in-between and I felt like I needed to downsize my dreams because they weren't coming to pass. And times in my life where I clung so tightly to my dreams that they never happened. And I think sometimes you know, if we're, we're following our dreams, sometimes when the in between seasons come, if Joseph had been his whole life following his dream, he would have never served well in Potiphar's house. If he was like, man, my dream is to leave my family. When he was put in prison, he wouldn't have started. If that was his his only focus, he wouldn't have been serving in prison and getting people's respect and interpreting people's dreams. He would have just been sitting there, being like, man, how am I going to do this? I need to get back to my family. I need to become a leader. And I think in our own lives, too, that if we do that, if we get too focused on following our own dreams if we hold them too tightly, we can miss them all together, miss that we're in an in-between season, miss that God's doing something. And I know I've needed to hear that so many times. And this morning, I just want to give us an opportunity.